This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another episode of the Swamp 247 podcast. And Graham, this is it. This is the final installment of the Position Group Preview Series on the Swamp 247 podcast where you and I have gone through every single position group from quarterback to special teams, defensive backs, linebackers. We have done them all, uh, and it concludes with this episode here where we talk about that secondary. Uh, we're combining Florida's corners, that star group, and the safeties uh, into one episode, and I will take this opportunity to remind everybody who's listening, uh, if you want more context on what we're talking about, uh, just a little bit more support detail to the things that are discussed on the show, uh, we do have written pieces for every single one of these uh, podcasts on the website at swamp247.com. Uh, you, again, you can read each and every position. Uh, we'll break down things like depth chart, uh, newcomers to the unit, and other facts and tidbits that you might want to know. As the Gators go into their season opener tomorrow at 7 p.m. from the Swamp, Gators take on number seven, Utah. Uh, and right now it is Friday, September 2nd in the afternoon, Graham. Uh, let's talk some defensive backs here. I'll start with the safety unit, uh, a, a group that Florida seems to have a pretty decent amount of confidence in. Trey Dean, a returning safety, somebody who the, the Gators really believe that they can rely on, uh, has seemingly quickly impressed coaches uh, in not a lot of time. Uh, and then Rashad Torrance at that other safety spot. Uh, Gators, again, should have two safeties on the field at all times. Tell me a little bit about the group, uh, particularly the starters, before we get into the reserves. Uh, what is Florida getting in a guy like Trey Dean and, and then obviously Torrance at that other position? Yeah, a guy with a lot of experience in Trey Dean who started as a true freshman due to some injuries that happened in that secondary. Actually started at cornerback, worked a little bit at star, and now he's at safety, the position he played at Dutchtown when he was coming up out of, out of Hampton as a really highly coveted prospect. Now they get a guy who is coming off of arguably his best season from a statistical standpoint where he led Florida with more than 90 tackles last year and led them in pass breakups. And while maybe that is seen as an indictment by some of the rest of the unit, considering you never really want, in my opinion, your safety to be your top tackler because it, it, it tells you that teams are consistently getting into the third level. It shows, I think, Dean's prowess and how far he's come from being a, a true freshman playing different positions, like I said. So I think when you get a guy like Dean back who has veteran leadership, he has ties to multiple, you know, periods of Florida. He's he's seen it all. He's, you know, he knows what it takes to start as a freshman. And he knows what it takes to have to lead a team through an up and down season that ended up in a six and seven finish. So I think that when you look at all of those aspects, you get a guy in Trey Dean who should lead this unit, even though there may be players with a higher ceiling ultimately around him at, at corner and, and then at star as well. So I think Dean is just a very good anchor piece for this secondary. And then Rashad Torrance, you know, a very similar situation to Trey Dean. They actually knew each other as teammates coming up out of high school, played played 7v7 together. And when Torrance got on campus, he got his opportunity as a freshman due to some injuries in the room and some other guys that really weren't ready 
to compete at a high rate. And I think that led him to lock down this starting role for multiple seasons now. And as a result, Florida has both starting safeties who are kind of a, a stable figurehead in this defense. Guys who started last year were respected, know what it takes to, to play as a freshman. They can help other guys, even though they have some relative inexperience. I mean, Torrance is still only listed as a sophomore, as a guy who, who got on campus during that COVID year. So absolutely, the safety position is one where they have two promising starters, as well as some pieces behind those guys that I think they feel very high on. Kamari Wilson, Corey Collier continues to, to progress as well. Those are two highly rated guys, two top 100 players in the unit that if either Dean or Torrance were to struggle or get hurt, they can rely on, on some of these next men up that have a promising future in the room. Yeah, absolutely. What, um, there's been a lot made of, of the tackling at the position at, at safety and Florida's ability to be able to you know make tackles uh, in the open field, to be able to make tackles that could potentially affect the outcome of the game. That was an issue last year uh, for Florida's defense across the board. Is that something that you feel has been resolved in any way going into this season, especially with that starting duo of Torrance and Dean? Or is that something that you would file under the concerns for Florida going into the season, uh, specifically with the safeties, but I guess generally with the defense too? Is, is tackling something that's still a question mark for you, or are you feeling pretty good about it? I can't say I feel pretty good about it, and I can't really say that it's been answered yet, whether it's going to be a concern or not. But I think we can say that it's been addressed. We talked often with Billy Napier, Florida's defensive players, about the tackling circuits and the increase in physicality throughout preseason camp, throughout the spring, how they had been designed to be more physical and make guys simulate more what they're going to do in a real game scenario, even if it came at the expense of a few uh, injuries here or there. I think that this coaching staff found it critical to have guys work on everything from actually completing the tackle to taking the correct angle at full speed, which if you were to ask me what I thought, and again, I'm not a coach or and I'm not a you know first team All-American defensive back, but what it looked like to me, Florida's issue was, was a lack of practice from taking the right angle at full speed to complete the tackle. And while certainly guys like Trey Dean improved on that, that's something that I think Rashad Torrance, if he were to be honest in his evaluation of what he put on film the first couple of years, I think that there were many plays where he would have liked to have had back and he thinks he could have done better on if he were to have practiced his angles and, and tackling more frequently throughout the preseason and the offseason and spring camp. That has been addressed since Billy Napier got on campus, since Patrick Tony got here. You've seen um, repeatedly – uh, Corey Raymond stress the importance of it. You know, you can't just have guys look to avoid injury, go half speed, simulate what they're going to do in a game, and then expect that everything's going to click and it's going to just all come back to them and they're going to know what to do when they get in a game. You have to go out there and actually simulate it. And that's been a priority since this coaching staff got here. And I do believe that we could make a, a guess right now that it's going to result in a lot of those tackling issues being improved and, it just remains to be seen right now whether it's actually going to happen, but you absolutely could have the belief that it is going to happen when the season opens. Sure. And I think one of the things that really could have an impact on the safety unit is actually who's coaching it. You, you have a potential tackling problem in a room. What better a solution is there than to put the defensive coordinator or one of the two defensive coordinators in charge of that unit directly. I think Patrick Tony has had a tremendous amount of impact 
uh, on this unit. And I can say that based off of the limited observation that we've been able to have uh, throughout the spring. And then you add it up with what we saw in fall camp. It's roughly two months of, of a whole bunch of very short windows of, of viewing for the media. But also from what we've heard, we've talked to players who have spoken quite highly, not only of Patrick Tony as a defensive coordinator, as a very knowledgeable guy who knows how to install a defense, and especially at his age, is, is very far ahead of his years in terms of the uh, maturity of his defense and the how thorough the concepts are. But also we've heard the similar kind of praise for him as a, as a position group coach. Forget the coordinating of an entire defense. It sounds like Patrick Tony has made an impact on the play of these safeties. Talk to me about those reserve units that he, reserve players, excuse me, that he has at his disposal uh, in that unit. You've already mentioned Kamari Wilson, the very highly regarded four-star freshman, uh, was at the top of Florida's class last signing period in 2022. Uh, Donovan McMillan is a guy who was listed as a number two uh, behind Torrance on Florida's initial depth chart, which they released on Wednesday. Uh, how does the depth in this room stack up relative to potentially other spots on this team? Yeah, it's, I think, very similar to a lot of other positions on this team. Maybe defensive line is a really good comparison where you have some guys who are proven in that room and some people who maybe aren't starters yet, but the team remains confident that they're going to be able to continue their ascension into locking down a starting role in the future, knowing that possibly both of those starters aren't going to be here after this year, given that they could head to the NFL. I, I think that when you look at who they have behind Trey Dean, uh, let's start with Kamari Wilson, you know, breaking the IMG Academy curse, getting that guy in here, I think was incredibly valuable. Getting him on campus early was valuable, even though he missed spring uh, portions of spring, excuse me, when he was in a non-contact jersey dealing with an undisclosed ailment, he was still able to learn, continue his physical development, and get a chance to lock down one of those backup roles, even though there were some guys that he was competing against who had been on campus longer. Corey Collier, who did the same thing the year before. Dakota Mitchell, who had been on campus for a year longer. Donovan McMillan, a very highly rated guy who I think many people believe is going to be very, very good. Maybe not this year, but in a couple of years, those guys were competing for the role that Kamari Wilson appears to have locked down as one of the two backups. Obviously McMillan is going to back up Torrance, but when you look at a guy like Kamari Wilson, I think it bodes well to this, this case that Florida loves to make for being DBU, defensive back university. And what that entails is not only having a high level of defensive back play, it is setting your team up, setting your group up with younger underclassmen, whether they are true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores, redshirt sophomores, you name it. Having guys who are young and are able to come in and start in that secondary at safety is incredibly valuable. I think that there is a little bit of work to be done by some of these Guys like like McMillan still has some work to do, of course. Um, you know, one of many guys learning a new scheme, but there's a lot of promise right there in, in that group. Um, and one one guy I didn't even mention, Miguel Mitchell, another true freshman who is listed on the depth chart. I wrote in my preview about him, uh, my season preview from last week. Of you know, this is a guy that may not end up making uh, you know a lot of plays this year, but he already has made a noticeable impact when it comes to competing for reps moving forward. And they're going to try and get him on the field for at least four games this year to preserve that red shirt while also getting him some experience. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's slide out now to the edges of Florida's defensive scheme. 
to those cornerback positions, this is a, a group I, I would say very similarly to what I said about the safeties uh, that Florida has a lot of confidence in, and whether that's because of the uh, physical talent in the room, which there is plenty of, or because of its coaching, a, a guy uh, like Corey Raymond in charge of that unit is, is considered one of the best in his industry uh, at coaching defensive backs. This is a room that enters the season with a lot of confidence uh, in itself and with a lot of confidence for it externally. Uh, let's talk about those two starters, at least the ones that Florida listed on its depth chart. That's Jason Marshall, who we did not get to see a whole bunch of throughout Florida's fall camp, uh, and Avery Helm opposite him. Uh, this should be a very interesting unit. We know these are, are two fairly talented guys uh, who should be ready to, to start in the SEC. Uh, I think the biggest questions really are to do with we don't know what we're going to see from Jason Marshall. I don't think anybody really does because he was limited throughout fall camp. Uh, and then Avery Helm, this is a big opportunity for him uh, potentially to prove something. Yeah, I, I can understand why when people saw that Jason Marshall Jr. was not competing too much in fall camp, that there was some cause for concern, especially because you look at it would have been the second straight year where someone who was in line to start ends up not being available for a majority of fall camp. You go back to last year, Jaden Hill tears his ACL, very devastating injury, but he was a guy who was going to line up opposite of Kyir Elam as that second starting cornerback. He's unable to go once again, and then Jason Marshall is limited throughout fall camp. But what from what we've been able to gather, I know you can speak to this, Jacob, a lot of that is purely precautionary. He was dealing with a little bit of uh, hamstring tightness, let's call it that. And knowing what they had in him, it didn't really make sense to put him in a situation where that could get any worse and jeopardize the health of the room, the depth of the room, even further, knowing that he was likely going to be the number one corner. He excelled throughout spring camp. He already has made a strong impression on Florida staff. This is a guy who played a lot as a true freshman last year, which is what you really got to do when it comes to making that ascension, getting some valuable on-field experience under your belt. And then they come in and design practices to be a little bit more physical. Once you realize what you have in a guy like Jason Marshall or even Ventrell Miller, I think you could say this, and you could also even say this for guys like Jerron Dexter, maybe even Brenton Cox. But once you realize what you have in these guys, I am of the belief that it does behoove you to sit them down and help them avoid unnecessary risk, which was a lot of, of fall camp for some of these guys. And I think that's where Jason Marshall is. The guy opposite of him, I think, is a lot more uncertain. Even though we do see Avery Helm listed as the other starting cornerback, I do kind of get the sense that they're going to rotate several options in there this season, whether it's looking to get Devin Moore, the freshman on the field, who we're going to talk about more here in a little bit, or Jalen Kimber, the Georgia transfer who sat out most of last season, kind of like a Ventral Miller type situation where he misses nearly all of the season except for two games and now decides to come back, um, but not to Georgia, transfers to Florida and has a chance to compete. And it looks like right now that he's going to play second fiddle right now to Avery Helm, a guy who started six games last year for Florida when they kind of had that by committee approach there as well. So I think that outside of Jason Marshall, it becomes a little bit less certain as to what the defensive back rotation is going to look like this season, Jacob. Sure. And, and you mentioned the top backups right there, Devin Moore, a true freshman, uh, Jalen Kimber, the former Georgia transfer, uh, tell me about those guys and who else stacks up behind that that starting duo. Uh, again, as I said, it, it sounds like this is one of the units where you know there might be depth concerns at other position. We've mentioned defensive line is one of those spots before. Uh, you know, if you listen to our linebacker podcast, we also talk about how 
that's another room, especially up the middle, that you know could be could be quite thin. Uh, this is not one of those groups that has that same uh, sentiment going into the season. It feels like this is a, a, an area where Florida is a lot better equipped uh, to handle potential injuries, to handle a rotation. Uh, tell me, tell me about all that. Yeah, you look at who they have. I, I think. Um, adding that freshman, Devin Moore, having him able to play is absolutely huge. Jalen Kimber, getting him him is absolutely massive. You know, a former four-star guy who was able to see the field early into his career at Georgia, and if it weren't for injuries, he probably would still be on that roster, knowing what they were losing after last season from a defensive standpoint, too. That's a guy who has kind of impressed people with many aspects of his game, from his intelligence to his abilities and coverage, his, his ball skills, his athleticism even, I think that there are some concerns with his ability to be a lock, a true lockdown corner. There are some guys who are ahead of him in that department. I, I think Avery Helm, his coverage abilities are a little bit better right now, and he has a little bit more athleticism too. But then you look who is behind those guys in the rotation. You know, There's a lot there to, to unpack, and I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Jordan Young play a larger role than I think a lot of people were expecting. Let's recap real quick. Jordan Young, that's a guy who is listed at corner. Um, he worked with the cornerbacks throughout fall camp. Yeah, but that was not really a given if you followed what he did in spring. He started at star in the spring game and had a really, really good performance. I think a lot of people were of that opinion, including the coaching staff. And I think it remained to be seen whether he was going to move back to corner for fall camp but that unit did get Trevez and Jadarius Perkins back in the room, as well as some other guys who stepped up, which has allowed Jordan Young to play corner. I wouldn't be surprised, given where he's at, his competitiveness, if they just find a way to get this guy on the field this season. And when you consider him with Helm, with Kimber, Devin Moore, it really does make me feel like they're going to experiment with a variety of starting backs, even in the secondary, even though... One of those guys, at least, Jason Marshall Jr., has solidified a role. I, I think that there's at least four guys that can make a case why they should be seeing the field this year at the other spot. Let's talk about that last defensive back uh, position. That is that star uh, corner, if you want to call it, uh, essentially a slot corner, uh, a little more freedom potentially to the role. I'll actually ask you, before I ask you about any player, tell me a little bit about that that position. Give me, give me a little... Uh, crash course on the star position uh, and what fans can expect to see from whoever is is manning it. Yeah, it's a very difficult position to play. Let's start there because you have to be able to do a variety of things. You have to be able to rush the passer. You have to be able to drop into coverage, play zone, cover tight ends. You have to do many, many things, kind of like a linebacker at times, then also kind of like a cornerback. You, you often see guys who are used to playing that that, that boundary corner position who get tried there, who experiment a little bit at the position. And not everyone can do it because it takes a lot to be able to do that position. I think that Florida, you know, you also have to have a lot of physicality, which is not something that has been at a premium in Gainesville over the last couple of years. I wouldn't be surprised if someone who is considered to be an aggressive tackler ends up getting, I think, a boost when it comes to their usage in the room. And, and that's why I think you're going to see guys like Jadarius Perkins even though they missed much of the spring, even though they missed much of the, the first few months of Billy Napier's time in Gainesville, that's why I think they're going to be used at this position because they have to do a variety of things and, and making sure that they wrap up is certainly one of them. Um, but 
you kind of just addressed a little bit of an unknown. You know, every defensive scheme kind of asks something different from the star position in terms of what their role is at a time. We've seen in the past here in Gainesville that you had to be able, um, like I said, to rush the passer and drop into coverage uh, at a moment's notice here. And how Patrick Tony frequently uses the star, I, I do think that's something that remains to be seen. Yeah, let's let's actually just break down all three, I think, of the main factor guys to play at this position. Obviously, starter Trevez Johnson, uh, physically a really good-looking guy. Uh, seems like he's ready to play SEC football. You and I actually just spoke to him a couple days ago. Uh, seems like somebody who is just eager to, to be able to see the field and, and get his season started. Uh, and then the two backups, Jadarius Perkins and Kamar Wilcoxon, uh, also two guys who you yourself have evaluated on our podcast to be talented guys in their own right. Uh, it sounds like this could also be a unit just continuing on with that defensive back theme where you do have you know two, maybe three guys who could really play this role uh, and do a good job at it. Starting with Trevez Johnson, tell me a little bit about what Florida has and and just run through uh, the list of that of that trio I just named. Yeah, Trevez just really does everything well in a sense. Maybe he's not amazing at any one thing, but knows the role, knows his assignments. And I think that that aspect of the position is something that is going to be part of what this coaching staff makes their determinations on or already has made their determinations on of who they can have out there for the majority of the time. It's going to come down to trust, knowing the role and knowing your assignment. And maybe because Trevez played throughout the spring, even though he missed the spring game, he played the role throughout the spring. He, he stepped back into it as the starter throughout fall camp and then played it last year. You could say that he obviously has a leg up on the competition and it's really not a surprise to see him be the starter. Jadarius Perkins arrived after spring camp last year. He was initially going to go to Missouri, transferred after being a JUCO guy and was impressive his first year on campus. I think just from his physical tackling alone even. And then there was everything else well that he did as he continued to learn the intricacies of the position. Unfortunately, that injury in spring and his resulting recovery kind of put him back down in the pecking order, allowed some of those younger guys like Jordan Young to step up. And I think that Perkins certainly will be used this season. But the third guy that you mentioned is someone that I encourage everyone to keep an eye on. I, I kind of think that Kamar Wilcoxon has a little, been a little bit forgotten in this Florida secondary. And that's because of a variety of factors. He reclassified two years ago, that COVID year, to arrive on campus early as a 17-year-old and then presumed to get injured, um, proceed to get injured his his next season, missed all of the last year and, and didn't really do anything that first year. So you had a situation where he hasn't done anything his first two years on campus. And there have been other guys who have entered that, that building who have been just as highly rated in a sense, from Kamari Wilson to Corey Collier. A lot of guys have been top 100 defensive backs that have come through here, just like Kamar. But what Kamar has been doing since he recovered from his injury has been extremely impressive from what I've heard. He he just consistently displays in practices and in and, and live action uh, situations that he is someone that they want to get on the field in some capacity. But there was a question for a long time about how he would be used, whether he would play more of a typical safety, strong safety role, or whether he would be used at star, a position that, like I said, is very difficult to learn. But yet, if you can learn it, it, it has a huge chance of increasing 
um, the odds of whoever is playing there to impact the game. And I think that when you have someone with Kamar's talent level, they want to find a way to get him to that position, even if there are two guys who are just ahead of him on the depth chart. So I do think Kamar Wilcoxon is going to see the field this year and that they're going to end up using three uh, star nickel nickelbacks this season. Well, you heard it here first. Keep an eye on Kamar Wilcoxon, says Graham Hall. Uh, that's going to do it for our secondary preview. Uh, three groups, safety, corner, and star, that it sounds like, Graham, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like there's a, a reason for confidence or at least cautious optimism uh, heading into the season for those three units. Uh, any final thoughts, Graham, before we wrap the show up? No, I just think that if they can find ways to get some of these underclassmen on the field, even though we talk a lot about starters and who is returning in the fold, I think that that other part, setting up the underclassmen, setting up the freshmen, redshirt freshmen to get on the field is just as vital to this unit's growth moving forward. And I know that Corey Raymond, that's nothing he doesn't already know. That's nothing that anyone in Florida's building doesn't already know. But as much as the play of the starters matters, you need to make sure that your starting unit is playing to a level and your team is playing to a level where you're able to win some games, get a, get a comfortable margin that you're going to go ahead and win some games. And you can get some of these guys that we just mentioned in here. Uh, Kamari Wilson, Miguel Mitchell, those guys, you know, Devin Moore, they need to see the field this year. I, I don't think there's really any excuse for some of them to redshirt this year, knowing what Florida is attempting to do on the recruiting trail and knowing how valuable they are going to be moving forward. It should be a situation if they can make it, one where Devin Moore is able to see the field just as much if this is possible as Jason Marshall did last year, knowing that next year you would like to see this guy potentially step into a starting role. So that aspect of the position, aside from the starters and the key backups, making sure that you develop the depth. I think that's just as critical to the, the team's uh, game plan this year. Well, there you go. Uh, that's going to wrap up not only this episode of the swamp two, four, seven podcast, but also our position group series uh, you can now go through on our YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, again, uh, really wherever you you consume your podcast content, uh, and you can listen to all of these. And I certainly recommend people do that uh, at, at least as much as possible before uh, game time. Again, Florida taking on Utah, number seven Utah at 7 p.m. from the Swamp on Saturday night. Uh, lots to look forward to. I think after all of these position group previews, one thing that stands out to me is that uh, there are a lot of questions about this Florida roster that I think we're going to learn answers to very quickly as Florida gets off to a pretty difficult start to its season with Utah first uh, and a ranked Kentucky team second. Uh, but all of that will be answered in due time, and we will have it covered for you, not only on our YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcast, uh, places where you should subscribe, by the way, but also at swamp247.com where we have everything covered in the written word along with these podcasts. Uh, make sure to go over and check out the site. We also have one of the largest uh, message board communities uh, in this part of the country, especially covering these Florida Gators. And you don't want to miss out. So go in and, and jump in and uh, join a community of, of passionate fans. And uh, without without further ado, I think I'm going to close this podcast out. So for Graham Hall, my name is Jacob Rudner. Again, we thank you for listening for this one and uh, to all of the episodes in this series in particular. Uh, we hope you learned something, and we will see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.